Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joe will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. This week's question is... Well, the question actually was, you know, what what, what is a priority? Uh, should it be the outcomes or the processes involved? Um, essentially looking at the balance of winning, how much emphasis should we put on winning? Um, and if there is an emphasis on it, at what point in the journey of a youth development pathway or even a senior pathway should that really take precedent over everything else? So, Joe, maybe, maybe start off with maybe some of your experiences and just a brief insight around your thoughts on that question. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure... If there's a clear right and wrong answer, like there always is, it, I guess it depends. But I would say probably from my experience of working at different levels, certainly where results and winning do matter, because obviously, and even co- working with coaches at the pro license level, an A license level, where you know I'm going to games, some of them are preparing for Champions League games or uh, Confederation Cup games, and so on, and they've got to win, right? Uh, they're, they're competing in the professional level. You know, you're working with national teams or coaches working with international players and so on. That's probably slightly different because even then, for me, there's still a really important process on the learning and the journey of the child. Because at the end of the day, irrespective of whether they're 22, 25, 17, 10, there's still a project. You know, the player's a project and they've still got a lot of learning to go. And every opportunity is an opportunity to grow and enhance and elevate performance as well. So, you know, that doesn't change whether you're at the youth level or senior level. Probably the only difference would be that certainly at some of the higher levels I've worked at, whether it be coaching or actually coach development, it's very tough because the pressure's on the coach to get a result because obviously that impacts the the economic factors. I mean, look at it even at the level I'm with now, you know, if the first team are winning games, there's going to be more fans going to the stadium. First team are losing games, it affects fans, which affects, you know, ticket sales, which affects uh, branding, which affects potentially some salaries. There's all kinds of knock-on effects, right? I mean, look at the game recently. You look at Everton versus Crystal Palace and what that meant, you know, not condoning um, some of the actions of, you know, fans being loony, running onto the pitch, doing whatever they're doing, but actually the fact that um, without going off topic, that meant a lot to those people, meant a lot to the community. You know, community is a big part of it, meant a lot to the the history of the club to be able to turn that around, get to 
was it three two in the end and again that's that's incredible um and the goals last minute and you know I can imagine the pressure that Lampard must have been under during that game you know and if they'd have got relegated what that would have meant for history for for the club so those are different types of pressures I think if you're working at grassroots level or youth development there's a few people here who work within the academy game at different levels I think we've got to remember that the objective of the game is to score more goals than the opposition. So winning shouldn't be a bad word. In fact, winning's an okay word, but it's understanding that winning, what does winning look like, but not at the detriment of learning. So in every club, I'm sure they'll have certain preferences, values, philosophies, non-negotiables, and that's important. But within that, there's learning moments, isn't there, for the players? And I think we want to win. We, we, we're going into the, the game with the intention that we want to score more goals than the opponent. But it's how you win. You know, winning with a certain style, which is important. I think even with the younger ages and certainly at grassroots level, as well as academy and everywhere else, it winning behaviours is important. So what does winning behaviour look like? What does winning attitudes look like? And how you use those phrases. So you might not always talk about winning in a sense of, putting pressure on the team, like we've got to win this game, you know, they're probably aware of that. But actually talking about what 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 are the expectations, what's the challenge, what's the mission, and looking at it as a as a process, uh, as an opportunity for continually learning. And I would be saying, you know, in summary, if um, Paul is needing to get better at his ability to drive into space quickly, take people on 1v1, outplay people. And in the game, he's doing that, irrespective of what the score ends up. You know, certainly at the youth level, if it ends up as 2-1, 3-0, whatever it is, we lost the game. But Paul's actually got some great experiences and he's got even better at outplaying people. Or Stuart's been working on tracking runners and he's actually been recovering very quickly and demonstrating those behaviours. And his attitude when he's lost the ball has been fantastic. And he's modelling the non-negotiables that we want in a player. That's winning behaviour. That's winning. Um, and I think getting the balance right is important, right? In terms of we want to win because winning does breed uh, some success and learning for sure. But there's equally a lot of learning that can go in, not just in winning, but also losing. And winning doesn't always have to be the end result or striving towards that initial outcome. The outcome can look very different. Winning can look very different across different positions and different individual players' journey within the match. So then it becomes that question of event versus experience. And are we treating individual games as episodes for the players or are we looking at it as a, as a continual experience for the players where we can stretch them, even at the top levels, never mind the youth? Uh, but yeah, I'd be you know really interested to see how you've, what your thoughts are on that, Yaz, and anyone else in the room and any other perspectives around that, you know? 100%. I think there's a lot in there and a, and a really insightful there, Joe. But just before I kind of give my two pence, um, it'd be really great if everyone could just give a quick reshare to the room, make sure we try and get as many coaches in the room as possible. I mean, what we're here for really is about supporting one another, developing, making sure that we can all get better at what we do. Um, and part of that is through networking and sharing ideas. So um, if everyone could do that, that'd be amazing. Give us a follow as well both my account and uh, Gerard's account on Ulembly. Um, that'd be amazing. But, um, but yeah, no, Gerard, I think there's some really, really key stuff that you've talked about. And the, the one kind of 
word that keeps jumping out at me is, um, or two words, it's measurements and success. So, you know, obviously winning can be considered successful, um, but I think it's it's what kind of winning are we looking at? So are we ba- are we purely basing it on the outcomes of the game? Um, and I think what you're really talking about there in, in a subtle way is there's loads of different ways you can consider winning um, to come across. So whether that's through individual development, whether that's through individual goals, collective goals, unit goals, or whatever you wish to view that, but not just a, on the pure basis of the game being won and lost, if you like. So I think from that perspective, it's really important to consider, for me anyway, that, Yes, winning is definitely not a bad word. In fact, I think winning should be a really, really key word to be used in the environments that you're working. Um, I think where it becomes a bit of a danger and a bit of a, a hazard is when you look at winning in a sense of winning at all costs because um, then you're not really putting the people in the environment first. You know, I, I recently recorded a, a podcast with someone else and they used, they used this uh, this quote and I used it in the context of basketball. The, you know, the, the, my guest on the show basically said, "You know, it's all well and good knowing about basketball, but how well do you know about Mary or John or Mohammed?" Um, and I think that's the key piece. It's, it's that follow-up piece. How well do we know our players and understand? Not, you know, winning can only be winning if it's winning for them too. Um, so I think it's really important for us to understand that. You know, yes, we want our teams to win. We need to we need to encourage them and support them and actually motivate them to want to win. But ultimately, it's like looking at right where are they in their journey, what are the steps that we can be taking to support them in terms of getting them to the next level, whether that's you know in in an academy, whether it's a grassroots, or whether it's someone just coming in for a kickabout and uh, on a drop-in recreational session, if you like. So I think that that piece is really key for me. And I think one of the other bits that kind of really jump out is how do we measure that? And I think we have to remember that as coaches, we I think we've all got a bit of an ego, so we want to be able to win. Um, and really, what we need to really understand is what's winning now in comparison to what winning will look like for us in maybe five, six, ten, sixteen years, or whatever that is down the line. And then look at right: are we pushing towards that, or are we looking at immediate successes? If that makes sense. So, I mean, there's there's my thoughts on you know the initial question itself, and you know just in response to some of your views, and really what's come out for me from what you said as well. Um, but it'll be interesting to like you know get other people's views if anyone wants to share anything in, in, in the discussion as well because I think you know it's all great myself and Gerard sharing our views and giving our opinions but I think it's really important for us to understand that there's you know between myself and Gerard probably got about 15 20 years maybe more than that experience um, working in youth football but everyone else in the room collectively we probably surpass it maybe 150 years once we put everyone's experiences together and that's not just in terms of coaching but that's just in terms of people development I would suggest um, so yeah, if anyone's got anyone anything they want to add to that, feel free to jump in. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, as someone as we've been getting people jumping in, I think everything you said there is that emphasis of the importance around individualized view of it and what we're shining a light on. So really good, really good. Hey, great to see you. How are you doing? Johnny, you're in. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good, boys. Thanks for having me in. Another another big topic for debate, as always. Um, you know what? I think the key is intrinsic v extrinsic, in determination of the big word winning. I, I'm the same. I'm I'm quite comfortable using the term, and I think it's important to talk about it. But I think it's important at the younger ages to focus on 
on what is intrinsic via extrinsic and that moves to Yaz on his measures, you know, players and parents and coaches setting self-goals and targets for players that they're focused on within the game, I think it's really important. But also winning is a great topic for emotions because no matter what you say as a coach, you know, if it's two each and there's five minutes to go, emotions are everywhere. So it's a fantastic sort of topic for debate and it opens up really great avenues for conversation. In terms of grassroots, I think as long as you talk to everyone and you know what the focus is, then then winning's okay. But, you know, there's different standards of boys' clubs, especially up here in Scotland. And if you sit down and talk to all the parents and all the players and you find out what you want, if overall the group wants to focus on winning and that dictates game time, then that can dictate game time. But if the focus is everyone gets the same game time, for me, as long as everyone's on the same page, then then we focus on that. I kind of love to get your guys' ideas on that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, especially over here, I'm working in the, the States now and it's a different model. Even at the in the professional game, and obviously the big part of the market is pay to play, parents will have a huge impact and driving force, probably 10, 20 times more than what it's like where it's intense in the UK, as you guys know. And their their emphasis is that they want very much around the winning, the team, you know, what teams win in state cup, what teams win it or go into nationals, regionals and so on. But then it's interesting, they almost want a bit of everything. So on the one hand, they want the winning and that's what they're driving. But then if that means that their son, who might be one of the weaker ones or their daughter, isn't getting as much game time, then they don't want that. But they kind of want that and they want a bit of both. You know, so it's it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, for me, the biggest thing I always look at, every sort of level I've been, whether it was in the EPPP in England or working abroad, we'd always talk about what are our non-negotiables, how we're going to obviously uh, look at the game. But I would be really keen on holding myself accountable to the 50%, certainly at younger ages as well. So like U12 and below, we'd typically make sure everyone was getting minimum game time, 50%. Even at the older ages, to be fair, I'd try to, but it would vary. I won't, I'd hate to say it was always the case because it wasn't. Um, but younger, everyone's getting playing in different positions. I would uh, I would use an app called Subtime. I recommend anyone checks it out. It's free. You can download it uh, from Apple Store or Google Play Store. Fantastic Subtime. You can put in your players, who's available on the roster, who's absent, who's starting, who's finishing, all this type of stuff. And it'll automatically calculate for you. The game time, it'll tell you how many minutes someone's been on. If they've been on the bench too long, it'll start to change colour. And then you can switch them out. It's fantastic. And I used to look at that to go, you know, if we're really talking about balancing winning versus learning, you know, has Johnny had an opportunity to play as a number 10 and number seven today as part of his development. And how, how have I wrestled that with obviously the, the outcome of the game as well as of all the other variables that go into it. And we would hold ourselves accountable. And even at the younger age, uh, sorry, older ages, we'd still try and look at it really. Like, yeah, we want to win, but at the same time, it's how we win. Winning with style is important. I wouldn't want to win just for the sake of, you know, you might see some teams, it all comes down to preference, really, but playing a particular way. Um, for me, you, you can be quite adaptable in your style of football. 
I think it's important to be effective and efficient in possession. And that can mean being more direct at times. It can mean playing through at times and so on. I don't think we have to be purely purist. Um, it's effectively it's ha- a player solving problems on the field, aren't they, to, on the pitch to, to create and score more goals. But I wouldn't want to do it where it's, you know, purely at the, if you think of a continuum, like I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are, Johnny, because some of the teams I've played in Scotland over the years, tough, very physical. Obviously, you do the, the, the calendar birth year, slightly different. So some of them have got more years experience um, when we're playing equal age group. They're typically older. And then I've found a lot of teams being quite direct. Some of the teams we've played against, like a Falkirk and other teams. And I don't know, for me, you might get the result if you hustle and bustle. But is that preparing them for the game of the future? Or is that preparing players to get touches on the ball? The ball's bypassing them in midfield and they're just attacking rebounds. So I think we it's always that wrestle of, yes, winning. But what what's the consequence of certain actions if we choose to go a certain route? And the other one is understanding the game and their game, because I think their game is a big piece we've got to be aware of, is what do, the, what do the kids need? What's their individual needs? Versus, you know, we're watching Liverpool v Villa or whatever, and let's see what those guys are doing, and then adopt some of those strategies at, at our level. But that might not always be relevant or appropriate, do you know what I mean? But yeah, interesting. I think you're spot on there, John. There's some, there's some great bits, and I think they're one of the Again, key message that jumps out for me there is when we're looking at winning, it is about managing expectations too. Um, and understanding that, obviously, like you said, you know, you've got different stakeholders, you've got the players themselves, you've got their parents and whoever's around them thinking about what winning looks like for them, whether that's in a literal term or actually just on an individual level. And I think really what you need to kind of think about there is, again, another consideration that came up for me as you guys were talking was, Games program. What does that games program look like? Does every player need to play in every single game? Does uh, does every player need to play four minutes in every single game? I mean, if we if we're dedicated to supporting the development of these players, yes, we want them to play as much as possible. But is it always necessary for them to play in every game? And what I mean by that is, some games might actually be too challenging for them, um, and some games might be too easy for them and get essentially become boring and actually impact them on their understanding and perception of how the game should be played in that respect. So I think you're spot on. Definitely should be some non-negotiables in there. Um, and that could be around the way in which you apply yourself, not necessarily in the way that you play, but more in terms of the mindset, the characteristics that you want to uh, you know, reenact, if you like, or act out when you're on the pitch. So dedication, commitment, you know, hard work, all those kind of values and beliefs and those kind of characteristics, if you like. And I think that's, that's probably where the message should really lie. Um, but again, coming back to the top of the conversation and the point I was just making there around the expectations, managing the expectations of parents and the players and then helping them to understand that if you are going to be one of those clubs that plays 50-50 every game, so every player will participate in every game, will get 50% of the minutes as a minimum or whatever that might be, fine, fair enough. But then be open and understanding to the fact that the outcomes might not always mean a positive result as in the result literally. Um or it could be that understanding of actually, uh, by the end of the season, using things like the app that you mentioned there, which, by the way, is a plug. So if anyone knows the guys who own the brand, let them know they can sponsor us going forward. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but no, on, on a serious I think letting, letting the parents know that by the end of the season, everyone will get a fair share of minutes. It's not going to be exact, but we'll, we'll kind of have an average of what everyone will kind of get to. Um, and that might come in the form of them not playing in certain games. It might be that they, they not play one game and play the full the full match the next game, 
Um, I know that a lot of clubs are trying to do their best in terms of getting players to have quote-unquote equal minutes. The reality is it's not always possible for one reason or the other. Um, but as long as there's a clear expectation and an open understanding of what we're trying to achieve, I think that that's the main thing. Um, but ho- hopefully that kind of really gives gives a bit of insight around 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 your point, Johnny, as well. Uh, be keen to know if you've got any response to that. If not, then we'll kind of just start bringing other people involved as well. I'll just jump in quickly. Um, yeah, I think the, the who you're playing is an important part. Um, up here, we you know we have our categories, and you've got elite, and then it drops down, and it's just a name. But I think yeah, style of play versus who you're playing. So up here, we're dictated by two big clubs normally. Uh, an elite nine club, so you, you probably look to go in inverted commas stronger against the elite clubs, and then against what may be on paperwork lesser clubs or non elite. You you maybe look to maybe mix it up and move players around or bring players up and give younger players opportunity within the environment. So so yeah, I think it's a good point that kind of who you're playing or your style of play c- can help dictate the the view of winning or not. Yeah, great. So I think even as well, see, it'd be great if we could collaborate more. I mean, I think it's slightly different when you're at like Jurgen Klopp level, where you've got to outwit the opponent because there's a lot on. It's like going into a chess match. Whereas with us, I think at our level, even though competition is key, maybe controversial, but where I, where I have, I've tried to always talk to the opposition coach and find, hey, what are you working on this week, or how, what are some of the challenges you face? How can we help each other? Again, co-coaching in some respects. And like, I don't know, just throwing it out there, be interesting. But talking about that balance between winning, but also seeing it as a potential opportunity for further learning. I've played some coaches where I know their team, their style is a certain way. And even some of the individuals, the way they play. And it goes back to your point, Yaz, I think with the games programme, like what games you're organising for the players. And you're almost thinking, God, this is going to... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Be a great test for our boys here because we know they might be a bit more like this, a bit more direct, or they might play a bit more through, or they might, they're going to press us for the whole game constantly, you know, or whatever. That's going to give our boys a, a real good challenge. And then how do we solve that problem? So I think there's loads of opportunities where we can, yes, we want to get the result, but then how do we, use certain styles and certain games to our advantage to design experiences. Again, I think you spot on and it just really brings up another experience for me that I've had in the past where I've gone into a game, um, in particular with this group was a college group, 16 to 18s, 
knowing that the opponent that we're going to play probably isn't as strong as us. So I've kind of given a heads up to the, the, the opposition coach already and anticipated that we're probably going to be quite strong, especially in the first half. So what we've kind of said is, right, look, I want this to be a challenge for both players. I don't want it to be a, a landslide in any way, but what we'll do is if it, if it goes over a certain result, so I think it said, I think we agreed in the end if it were, if it went over five, uh, five goal difference in the first half, that when we come out for the second half, we'd actually switch it around so they'd have the they'd have the scoreline to go in their way instead, because again, it's still a way that we can still challenge the players. Yes, okay, the, the, the opposition have conceded five less than us or five more than us rather. However, it's still an opportunity to get a test for the players out of it, and for me, that's still winning. And I, I think at the end of it. The, the bottom line is, and, and until you get to the top level, we could be a year, two years, three years down the line, even a week later, people don't even remember what the result was a few weeks back. They, they, so, how important is that result anyway? So, I think it's just something to consider. I know that I know that in that particular experience, the players were like, "Blimey, yes, you, you've killed us!" Like we've, you know, we've we've gone out, we've gone in the first half, absolutely smashed this team apart, played them off the park, and now you're telling us that you're giving them the score. I was like, "Yeah, but." I shouldn't be viewed as a negative. That's that's me looking at you guys and saying, right? I think you, I think you're up to the test. How well can you persevere, stay committed to the game plan and 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 the game as a whole in trying to overturn that victory, um, overturn that that loss rather in in that sense. So I think there's there's a there's a lot in there, and I think it'd be really really good to kind of maybe get some views and opinions of anyone else that's maybe had some different ways of approaching the games program or even just how they've really going about setting those expectations and balancing out the ideas that people might have around how important winning actually is um, and maybe how they've even gone about convincing or yes or selling the idea of let's stick with the process if you like Absolutely, sorry there was I think we've got maybe Stuart has got something or there's Coach Westcott I think was ready to speak but I just have to say something real quick because what you said there is really just inspired a thought well, we used to do loads of little games programs like festivals. I know they do a bit of this down at the FA with St. George's Park. But we used to do stuff where it'd be like, you know, whatever the score line was that finished, whatever the difference was, that's what you would be down in in the next game. And that's what that team would be up in in the next game. So, if, you know, as an example, my team won the game 3 1. So we'd be, there's a two goal difference. So we'd be 2-0 down in the next game. How do we deal with it? But equally, the team that lost 3-2, uh, 3-1, they'd be 2-0 up. How do they manage the lead? Or little things. like There's loads of ways you can be really fun with it and creative. And even if you're not doing that in a festival format, I think even doing it in training and practices is pretty cool. So, yeah, no, good. And then great to see what speakers we've got. A hundred percent, Johnny. I'm not sure if you've got anything else you want to add. Otherwise, we'll cut, we'll move on to the next one. No, I'll move on. Let, let's hear from other folk. I'll talk all night. So just mute me and send. Me. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Thank you again for for getting involved and giving us your thoughts, Johnny. It's really appreciated. Um, Devon, talk to us, man. So, um, so sometimes I think um, I've when I've been managing a team. And I know that the opposition is not as good as my team. I kind of have that conversation with the players pretty much. So with me, it's telling them that, look, we are playing a team that, you know, we're like that we're going to be and that are not as good as us. 
what 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 are the, what are some things that we can do to help challenge us further and then getting ideas from that because what I've realized is that if you get the players to input sometimes they they have sometimes their creativity is amazing and they have like really good solutions that's a great show Paul said I think you'd be I'm actually interested to bat this one even to Stuart if Stuart if you're willing to unmute just to, what your thoughts are and what Devram said and just in general because I, I agree that I think that the, we're, we're often surprised by what the players can know the players are a lot smarter than we let them on to be but then equally I've worked in some environments where some players are like no sod that we're going to punish them and to be fair some of the the elite mindset that like winning really matters, you know, like scoreline even in practice matters, and it depends on the culture within every every club, every dynamic. And then that'd be interesting because then there'd be some kids who look at that as a negative and go, "Whoa, you know, well, no, I'm not having that," you know. But yeah, I'd be interested to know, Stuart, if you if you're willing to, or anyone else to chime in, what your thoughts are, how you've managed these things or these challenges. I think just as we wait for anyone else to kind of uh, get involved here, I think there's, there's one key consideration that you know we've we've kind of glossed over, maybe not maybe really gone to the specifics over, and that's the senior level versus youth football. Um, I think when we're looking at the youth football, it's really important to understand what stage they're at as well, and and how those challenges are then going to be implemented and effectively impacted impacting on those players' experiences. So, you know, you know, we I think we'd all we'd all agree that at the younger ages and the foundation stages, whether that be you know. Nine to twelves, or even starting from five onwards, if you like, or whatever, whatever point they do start, we want them to really enjoy the game, and that's the first piece. But we need to make sure that we are supporting them and understanding it is a game. There is, a, there is, a, there is an outcome that that is going to be on the end of it, and it's not all about winning, like we said. But obviously, as they start to go through the ages and stages, possibly thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen, sixteen. More importantly, there really needs to be a more more support for them in understanding how to actually get through these games. So I think some of the strategies that we've talked about in terms of maybe flipping the score, putting them into different scenarios or whatever those might look like have to become even more um, relevant and appropriate as they start to go through those ages because they're going to have to learn how to manage the game and not just play the game. They're going to have to learn how to uh, defend or deal with different challenges that are put in front of them because of the way the opposition plays in comparison to the way they play. And I think one of the considerations that I often see coaches maybe, especially early on in their journeys or, you know, overlook is that where you become reactive to what's just happened in the previous game and you've not maybe dissected it enough and really looked at it and re- assessed as, right, we've played 10 games this season as an example. The first nine games have been fantastic at playing out from the back. And then game 10, it didn't work. But actually, have you actually then assessed what was going really well in those first 10 games or what was allowing you to get that success in the first place? So it might not be, as an example, those first nine games where we've been brilliant at playing out from the back, the opposition, actually, they didn't really press us. Game 10, they've now pressed us. So we've maybe developed some, not bad habits, maybe become a bit complacent at actually understanding actually we're only really effective at playing out from the back at this point because we haven't really been pressed yet. In game 10 they've started pressing and now we're not too sure how to deal with it because the last nine games they haven't experienced that. So I think it's really important to understand that in the balance of that winning and the outcomes and the processes that we look at, right, what are the processes they're currently going through 
not just the ones that we're planning for, not just the ones that we're, we're, we're giving them exposure to, but actually the exposure they're getting to some of those processes and challenges because of the opposition that's in front of them. And how do we then incorporate that into the development development program, whether that be through scenario-based sessions, whether that be through looking at specific topics or whether that be through use of performance analysis or whatever, whatever other means you can to kind of support the development of these players. Because ultimately it's about getting them to understand and develop their understanding of the game a lot more, becoming a lot more aware so that we can hopefully work towards a situation where we're not, we're not in positions where the players are actually relying on us to give them the information. Actually, no, we're, we're educating them in how to play the game and understanding the principles of the game so that they can actually self-reflect, self-diagnose, self-assess on what the solution should be rather than just coming up with a solution and not really have a justification for why they're doing it in that way. So I think that's something really, really important for, for coaches to consider through the ages and stages. And I mean, personally, I would start doing that from as early as possible. But obviously, you know, everyone's environment is different. And if I go back to that quote, you might know basketball well, but how, how well do you know Mary, John and Mohammed? Do you know the players that are in front of you? How well do you know them and what they needed based on where they're at in their stage of development? But Dev, you know, I, th- I think that's a re- really great point that you brought up. So thank you for that, for bringing that. I don't know if you've got any response to what we've said or if that's helped you unpack any of your experiences further. Um, so in terms of, I think to to add to that is also like what you said is if something goes wrong, like playing out from the back. Um, for me, it's all it's always about the conversation instead of. Or like, so the conversation helps the players identify how we can go wrong. Um, like an example was is that I think for a couple of games we were playing a high press and we were working and we won. Our, like I think our, it was the first three games of the season really well, and then our fourth game we did the high press really well. Um, and instead of me telling them, oh wait, but their centre backs are playing this in a certain way. It's kind of getting the players to understand um, or asking the players themselves, them coming up with solutions. And then they kind of thought of things that I didn't think of. And then I kind of said my points and then they agreed. And then it's kind of helps the team be more collective, if that makes sense. Outstanding. Great shout. Love all of what you said there. Couldn't agree more. I think definitely. I think the key thing there is is that word that you use there, Dev, is collaboration, collective, and just how well can you not just share the ideas that you've got, but understand that coaching is not a one-way process, it's a two-way process, and I think um, how we view coaching should be very much considered, and not just, we shouldn't just be blasé about it. So for me, like, you know, over the years of my experience, it's often it's often a question I've asked myself, what, does, what is coaching? What does it look like? What should it be? And, I, and I've kind of after many conversations with others and even with myself, I've got, I've got I've arrived at a point where I look at coaching as, in, you know, in simplest terms, if you go back to where the origins of the word coach came from, it's about transportation, getting something from point A to point B. More importantly, it's getting from point A to point B when maybe the person in the driving seat, if you like, isn't always able to get there themselves. So for a coach, that could be sometimes 
you supporting the player on the journey by directing them, telling them what what needs to happen, but also providing some context and guidance in terms of justifications. In other times, it might be that you trust the player with the knowledge and the experience they've already had, as well as some of the you know the messages and the knowledge you've shared with them, and allowing them to drive with you sitting alongside them, almost like a driving instructor, if you like. And in other times, it might be right. Okay, you know they've got the experience. You know they've got the 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 awareness and understanding of what's happening in terms of the context and it might just be actually their car's broken down and now you're giving them a little push from behind just to keep them confident and motivated that they they are on the right track but they just need that little push from behind if that makes sense i think how we view coaching very much impacts on all of this really and i think what you talked about there is having that collaborative piece it's getting it almost getting the coach the players to understand that the coach is on the journey with them and not leading them on a path if that makes sense Um, also, I wanted to add quickly about collaboration is whether as a team, this may sound weird, but can we lose as a collective? So maybe that's at the start of the season, trying to get um, the social aspects together. So all the players are, are on the same page. So when we have lost, instead of maybe one player being really frustrated and then a few other players being kind of seeing it as a development point can as coaches can we get all of the players to kind of um lose together and then develop together because you sometimes you have players that that like certain personalities in the group that hate losing and don't see it as a development point so like as, as at the start of the season or whenever you can as a coach can you start getting again the team to work together and kind of to think together as well, think for each other instead of thinking about themselves as individuals. No, I think you're spot on. I think the key thing there is obviously understanding, again, coming back to the initial piece, how well do you know the individuals? What motivates them? Why are they there in the environment? For some, it might be they want to win. They want they like the idea of winning. For others, winning might just be actually I'm with my friends and I'm enjoying myself. So I think that that's a key piece. And I think the social pieces, it, it, it often goes overlooked just how important that is. And you know, the social piece doesn't always need to be football related. It's just team building, getting them to connect one another, breaking down those barriers. You might be using a range of different icebreaker exercises and just getting them to settle in the environment and be part of a movement. But I think that comes back to one of the top points that were, you know, right at the start of the conversation that came up was what are your non-negotiables? And really clarifying and checking understanding from the players and the participants involved and even their support network, whether that be parents, brothers, sisters, whatever that might be, on just what that means to them too. So you could have some non-negotiables in your environment that mean a certain thing to you. But those same terms, those words, those those phrases that you're using might mean something completely different. So I think really the key piece to come out from that is how well or how often are you checking clarifying understanding in terms of the perception of those that are involved as well and not just from your perspective but from theirs I don't know what your thoughts on there Jared couldn't agree more I think there's loads of key messages here that you've said big thing being that it's about who's in front of us what's their journey what's their needs checking for understanding is huge I think we're often d- giving loads of information or even if we're asking questions but how well do we know that they know 
and feedback given isn't necessarily feedback received and understood. And there's, there is a disconnect between what we think as coaches we've shared and that assumption that they've understood, but actually they haven't. But if we're like, if we ask questions where you know it makes sense, okay, they're just going to say yes, <laughs> nod. So what other strategies have we got in place to check for understanding or tap into the perception of the player versus always imposing our solution upon the player? So I think all these things that you've said are really, really spot on. I mean, there's loads of messages here and it just comes back to that piece around like how we're viewing the game. And if we're viewing it as a one-off event, our coaching will be very, very different to if we're viewing it as an experience. If we're viewing it as an event, it's episodic, it's in isolation. So our, co- our instructions or our feedback questions will be tailored in such a way that it might be like, hey, we're doing this too much or we're taking too many touches here or we're, I don't know, might be general statements or it might be, we don't want to do that, we're doing this. Here's a solution to that problem versus seeing the game as experiences and we might go, how else can we find ways to get the ball quicker to the other side? Or how, how can your your pass or dribble eliminate two more defenders? Who, who, who's, who, uh, you know, it could be anything. It could be little challenges or little ways that we can go, what other ways can we move the ball quickly to switch position, uh, switch the point of attack in order to cause a problem for the opposition? Or, how, you know, show me different ways that, when you get the ball, you might recognise when to step into midfield. If you do that, how does that influence Yaz? Yaz, where would you go? If you see Paul driving into midfield now, how would that affect you? And the coaching will be different. So I think all these things where we're tapping into the players is crucial. But I think as a coach, you've got to decide how are you viewing the game in the first instance? Are you viewing it as a individual event in isolation? In which case, that'll dictate how you coach. And we're actually going to be posting a a course on the the platform, a little bit of a plug, but it's just popped into my head purely that um, the relevance of it. So we'll actually be putting a, an online course on our platform, youlearnbly.com, U-L-E-A-R-N-B-L-Y, around this. Um, and again, like another example might be, I think I said one before, like we need to move the ball quicker. Here, coaches say that a lot, play on less touches. That might be an event coach, whereas an experienced coach might say, Let's see what happens if we play on less touches. And you're almost going on a journey with the player, that discovery. So, again, just little things for people to consider. I think that's fantastic. I think, you know, we've probably packed probably like four, four conversations worth of nuggets in this, in this, one, in this one space, to be honest. Um, so, you know, but obviously, I, I think it's really important. I think the one key message in you know, on a, on a final message for me, just just remember where you're at. Think context, who you're working with, what's your environment, what's your goals for those people. But I think just underneath that, it's what are their goals? If we understand what their goals are, then, you know, we, we need to look at our jobs as a coach and it's just to help them achieve that goal um, in any way, shape or form that we can. And sometimes that might mean they don't play every single game. Sometimes it might mean they play in certain positions and they don't, they don't play in others. And sometimes it might mean actually it's not about the result today. It's about networking. It's about socialising. It's about getting to know one another and breaking down those barriers in the team so that we can become, as Dev said, become more collective in our defeats and our, and our successes. So I think that's, that's probably the, the, the finish and the final note for me. 
but um, I really want to say thank you to Johnny, Dev in particular, obviously joining us, uh, sharing your views and insights. But everyone else has taken part in the conversation as well, just for, just by being involved, um, being present. And I, and I really appreciate it. And you know, it's just it's just fascinating to see that you know just these conversations, getting people involved, sharing views, and just how powerful that can be. So just please uh, do stay involved, do do stay connected with us. Make sure you're following us, and you know just keep an eye out that we will be back pretty much every single Sunday, 8 p.m. If you've got a question, got any further views or thoughts on the topics that we've discussed so far, feel free to let us know. Perfect. Have a great rest of the weekend. Uh, whatever's left, <laughs> enjoy it. Have fun with this stuff. Try and play with it, you know. And obviously, myself and Yaz are here, and we're, we're going to be doing loads of mentoring, offering loads of ideas, loads of content for people, whether it be on the, the Coaches Network podcast or anything else of the platforms that we're, we're sharing. And yeah, I'm just really excited to be a part of this journey with everyone so yeah thanks everyone tuning in and look forward to it thank you again everyone make sure you're following us and we'll be back next week take care well there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of you can tag us in those mentions as well on instagram at the coaches network or on twitter at the coaches net we look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.